Hey guys, welcome to the special Norman edition of the Low Key Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like chocolate, honey, vanilla, and maple. And if you have a sweet tooth, go try their peanut butter cups, which come in dark chocolate and white chocolate. So go to Justin's and get a tasty treat. Also, if you subscribe to us, go rate and review our podcast. It helps us out a ton. Now, without further ado, the boys from 405 Brewery. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I'm here with the boys from 405 Brewing Company, Jonathan and Trey. How are you guys doing? Woohoo! Doing really well. Thanks for coming down here. <laughs> it is a great day. <laughs> it is in Oklahoma City. It's not storming anymore, which last night was chaos. Yeah, there's a tornado in Tulsa, so you guys lucked out with yeah. no tornadoes. Lightning and thunder and rain. It's a, it's a sad day in Tulsa that potentially a Chick-fil-A has now been destroyed due to a tornado. <laughs> There's so many. The positive, though, is that they're closed on <laughs> Sundays, Sundays anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and today's a Sunday. They have until tomorrow to... Uh, to rebuild. And I hear they're very fast at yeah. remodeling and building Chick-fil-A. Even the construction workers have to say, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chick-fil-A, great business model. Really good business model. Uh, Unless you want chicken on Sunday. Unless... Uh, <laughs> Dang yeah. it, Sunday morning, I just want a biscuit with chicken. <laughs> they're really doing a service to their competitors by being closed on Sundays. That way, they're they're helping disperse the money other places. That's funny. Yeah, it's very nice of them. It, it is really true. nice. It's a yes. I think that aligns with with their morals, or That's I hope it does. <laughs> Too funny. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of what got you guys into craft beer. Your guys' kind of story. Four four hundred five brewing creating it, and how'd you guys meet and stuff, so. I'd like to point out specifically, though, we were in Norman. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are in Norman, Oklahoma. Just to, just to <laughs> We are in Norman. We represent. And uh, so we're, we're the only production brewery in Norman, a town of 120,000 people. Uh, if you're looking to open a brewery, don't come here, because we already have the market cornered. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for reference, Oklahoma City is 11.2 miles north of us, roughly. It's a big city. Yeah. We can round that down to 10. New math would say that's 10 miles. Once you get to Moore, you're basically in Oklahoma City. It doesn't count. But the traffic is much worse than Moore. If we could eliminate Moore in our commute between Norman and Oklahoma City, that'd be great. Just, like, take out more. Speaking of tornadoes. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Yes. <laughs> but I guess that's May a, 3rd. That's a good reason it's there. May 9th. May 11th. 11th. 13th. All, all, every, anytime in May, it's cool. Wow. It's bad. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the task at hand. How did we get into craft beer? God, this is a really... This is a long story. Yeah. Maybe we're really not all that interesting. So we'll just 
will take you back to the days of our youth and <laughs> tell you of what was that? How far back? Hmm. Yeah, pre pre conception. Pre oh that's when we met. So let's start off with when, <laughs> when we when we met. Jonathan was swimming around, I was swimming around, different fathers, obviously, and uh, we would communicate, say hi, in passing. We were both at school at OU at the same time, <laughs> in our father's whatever you call that thing. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> both of our, our fathers were in the same fraternity at the University of Oklahoma, and my dad and mom were dating at the time I don't know if they were married. They were dating at least. And my mother was friends. How did she know your mom? They were in a They were in so sorority. I don't know if they were or they were friends. No, no, they were in the same sorority. It okay. was some sort of social sorority. I, I don't know what the word is. Anyway, my my mom Something in college. helped uh, set up uh, I think it was more like an adult. Set sorority, up Trey's maybe. dad with with his future mom and bam. Well, it wasn't your mom yet. True. I mean, that egg. Okay. We're going way. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> Our mother's eggs. Um, yeah. So they knew each other at the University of Oklahoma. Bam. We both uh, had parents. <laughs> we both had parents. <laughs> Lovely. So. We then, both we both grew up in Norman. Yeah. Went to Norman Public Schools. We knew each other from there. Went to church together. I wouldn't say we were... At times, we were good friends. Most of the time. He hated me in elementary school. And through middle school, probably. Jonathan hated me in high school because I was very obese, and I sat on a pair of sunglasses in Jonathan's passenger seat, and I broke them. And I would also sit in Jonathan's Mazda station wagon. It was an 87? 88. 88 station wagon. And I would sit in the front seat, and this vehicle was so light that my 275-pound, 300-pound frame at that time could shake the vehicle back and forth. He would also do this, though. I would rock it back and forth. <laughs> that said, I, I do not weigh 300 pounds right now, so you're not hearing a 300-pound person speak. I'm down to 170 pounds. So I would hope that maybe I would not be able to rock the Mazda and that maybe I would not break the sunglasses. I probably would still break the sunglasses. <laughs> uh, where were we? So Craft beer, yeah. So we knew each other, getting into craft beer. Jonathan and I were friends. Uh, we were rebuilding our friendship in our early 20s. I was really getting into craft beer, trying new beer every week, go to the liquor store, pick up a six-pack of beer I'd never tried. Hmm. I had a friend that we were, we were trying these new beers every week. I was getting married. I invited Jonathan to go on my bachelor trip for nine days. We've skipped ahead. This is oh, later 2000s. Sorry. Yeah, this is 2007 now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that we were no longer in high school. Well, you started with the early 20s or 2000s. Anyway. We, we go on a trip together for nine days, traveling from Oklahoma 
to Chicago, sorry, St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee, through Minnesota, through Iowa, down to Kansas City and back. And the whole goal was to stop at breweries and brew pubs nice. and try beer. And the four of us that were on the trip, I don't know that we really had a great appreciation for what craft beer was, but we certainly opened up our, our palates on that yeah. trip. It was first, yeah, it was my first experience with a much broader range of beer made in different areas, like not available throughout the whole United States, um, and styles that I wasn't used to. I really wasn't into hops yet. I couldn't, it was just difficult to drink for me at that point. To, to give you some background, 2007 was certainly pre-craft beer blossoming yeah. in the U.S. We saw a statistic, a, a statistic yesterday from the Brewers Association that was talking about overall consumption and or sales of craft beer in America from 2008 we were on this trip in 2007 and we were in low single digits uh, as far as a percentage for craft beer consumed in America versus either imported beer or domestics by the big three. That's crazy. So to think about where we've come in 10 years, it's been uh, certainly a blossoming of craft beer. So at that time, it was harder to find brew pubs and breweries yeah. And especially the, the nano and the microbreweries were a lot harder to find at that time. Yes, and of course we stopped at some of the big ones like Anheuser-Busch and uh, Miller was that trip? No. Miller. Miller was. Miller. Yeah. Boulevard. Uh, yeah, Schlafly and St. Line Louis. Google. Which Line & Google is owned in part by Miller. But So certainly we were hitting big breweries on the trip. Thanks to the Brewers Association for that information. Uh, we hope that it's correct. <laughs> if not, you can Wikipedia it, right? Sure. And if not, we will go to Wikipedia and update it to our fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, we will cite survey. this podcast as the reason why we are changing the information on Wikipedia. Uh, we, we feel like the Brewers Association is incorrect on this, and we have updated the information. That's funny. So... So yeah, so that was that's how we got into craft beer, drinking, drinking, craft drinking beer. craft. We came back. The four of us decided we wanted to learn how to brew. Two of the four members from the trip took a brewing class at our local homebrew shop, and the four of us started brewing together. As some time progressed, Jonathan and I kept brewing. And Jonathan and I would brew every weekend, and 10 gallons every weekend, every weekend. Dang. Learning, learning about our system, learning about our process, learning about new hop varieties, new yeast strains. And finally, uh, we made some beer that Jonathan's sister called real beer. Mm -hmm. And w once she said, this tastes like real beer, we thought that, that that was probably a good opportunity for us to begin exploring a dive into a profession in brewing. So. Yeah, well said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Real beer. Wrote a business plan, got a location, and 
came into this, started making beer, went balls to the wall with our first beer. A lot of people would probably roll out the door with a light beer. Or pale. Or pale ale. IPA. We said, Let's F go. that. Yeah. And we are going to come out of the door with an 11% Imperial Stout brewed nice. with 30 pounds of coffee. And so. First thing we ever brewed on our commercial system. Certainly a learning curve, just like the first time you do anything, it's not perfect. But we figured, why do anything? Why not go big? Yeah. Right out the right out the gate. So, I think that's always been our philosophy: is to is to be challenging and to never do things the easy way. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there is now a brewery that has that trademark that they do things the hard way, so we probably can't say that. We just do not do things the easy way. That is Anheuser-Busch, by like, the way. Maybe it's a triple hops brewed also. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't use triple hops. It's okay. That's funny. We don't? Well, oftentimes no, we can't it's say more. That. Oh, can't, I see. Okay. Okay. And we don't have any packaging that changes colors. No. Oh, that's pretty cool. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Well, um, I was going to say, like, you said your Imperial Stout uses coffee. Do you have, like, a certain, like, coffee shop that you use or you source it with somebody? Yes, the answer is absolutely. Uh, we get all of our coffee roasted from a place here in Norman, currently, called Mariposa. They are, Trey's really big into coffee, and he could probably go on here for a while and talk about it. Uh, they're really cool, and we really kind of hand over the reins to them and say, this is what we're doing with the beer. Tell us what we, what you think is going to go go well with this. And so uh, we've, we don't use the same grind all the time, we will, or same roast every time. We uh, brew the beer, everyone gets to taste it, and then they say, let's, let's go from here and try something else. Uh, and there's more to it. No, I think that you, you hit on the, the key points. Uh, they invite us over. We have a cupping with them. The cupping that we had prior to brewing FDR, which is the Coffee Imperial Stout, uh, in late 2016, they had, at that time, nine different coffees that they put out in front of us. And so we went through a cupping process that morning with them for those nine different coffees. That's awesome. Only one of those coffees ended up ever being featured in FDR of the versions that we did for 20 late 2016 into 2017 and so we started off with a Panama coffee which Ooh. was it was real deep flavors got plum notes really really dark chocolates uh, low acidity and that paired really well with FDR and what's so fun about that beer is that each coffee is truly represented and it's it's really uh, showcased in, in the beer, so you know what the you know the base beer is always the same, and that the coffee is really allowed to uh, to be highlighted mm. in the beer. Yeah. So we, we had a Panama, again dark chocolate plum. Batch two for 2017 was our Guatemalan, so it was going to be a higher acidity, yeah. more of those traditional coffee flavors that someone is accustomed to, who maybe is just hey brewing up coffee at home. They're getting more of those traditional coffee flavors. Batch three is our Honduran, 
Baker's chocolate and cherry Ford. Wow. So more of a medium acidity. And then uh, batch four, which, which went directly into rum and bourbon barrels and has never been released, was Costa Rican honey. Wow. And we were able to have some bags of Costa Rican honey, which we sampled uh, on site. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, I'm most excited about that one being featured in the beer. So sometime in 2018, we'll pull that out of barrels and bring it out. Yeah, when that comes out, I'll definitely like drive down here and drink some. Absolutely, we'll be excited to have you. What's really neat to talk about, and I'm gonna nerd out on coffee for just a moment. That's totally fine. <laughs> we are probably one of the only breweries, if not the only brewery in the country that extracts coffee in the manner which we do. At the end of the boil process for the wort, which is the sugar water, it's later fermented into beer, we will take 30 pounds of coffee and we will grind that coffee on a coarse grind setting about 10 minutes before the end of the boil. We bring that wort down to 204 degrees wow. and then we will then put the coffee into large basically cheesecloth socks and put that into the wort for a four minute extraction time. So in essence, creating a giant French press with the coffee. So 30 pounds of coffee only is exposed to that wort for those four minutes and the flavor is rich. The flavor really melds in with, with the final product. Whereas some brewers who may rest the beer, the finished beer on whole beans, you don't get the same richness, in my opinion, you don't get the same richness that you do through a French press. Wow, that's really cool. That sounds really awesome. The next goal is to make a giant paper pour over. Yeah. I'd like to see that, like an Instagram story of that. Sure. Like on Boomerang. That'd yes. be funny. <laughs> We need to find someone who knows how to engineer a giant pour-over that can somehow move 200 gallons of hot wort over just, uh, over the coffee for three, yeah. three and a half minutes. So <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can only imagine also how much longer that would take to grind on a... On a oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That or we could take all of the 30 pounds of coffee and we can make espresso shots out of it, right? Yeah. yeah, that'd be that. would be really fun. Yeah. Dreams. Half, hashtag uh, life goals. Life goals. Giant pour over. Giant pour over. What? Two hundred gallon pour over. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can set like a Guinness record with this, right? Largest yeah. coffee pour over. Yeah, I don't think anybody's done that. Listen. In the beer making process. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, I think that you don't need to. You just want hot water. You just want a giant coffee. Yes. Yeah, okay. Go to a party. It's a coffee party. <laughs> Everyone can come with their kettle and uh, yeah, pour it over. Uh, no, I was thinking like oh. cups. Oh, with a cup. You just take it out of the boil, hot water, bam, cup. Fun. Mm. Good. So what makes you guys passionate about craft beer? Hmm. Uh, I can see that... Trey's passion comes from his his desire to make something, like make something that's an art or make something that makes people happy. Um, it's not really like, oh, let's make a beer. I see 
dollar signs. It's I want to make a beer because the people who come in and enjoy it, or come in who to taste it and get to enjoy it, uh, mean more to to him than I don't know than anything else. It's if someone says I really liked your beer and I appreciate you being here, I think he walks away with a smile. And if someone posts even online that they didn't like it, it really gets him down. I have to punch him <laughs> and say, don't worry about it. Jonathan knows me all too well, and that is why not only our friendship, but our business works so well. It's, he has superior understanding of my emotions and how I view our output, which truly is an art form. And Jonathan, thank you for saying really such kind things. Really, that, that means the world to me that when, when someone notices that, uh, notices those details, that really mm -hmm. empowers me and fuels me to, to want to continue doing this. Um, recognition, recognition is nice. And I, yes, we run a business. Yes, we are here to make money. But having recognition is also, it's pivotal. Just like think for any employee at any business, you like to be recognized for what you do. And Jonathan has helped build a culture at 405 that is centered around friendship and community in conjunction with our liquid art. So that when people walk in here, they understand that we're passionate. We don't have to ever tell them we're passionate. They either taste it or they talk to us or there's just a vibe when they walk in the door. Probably not the same vibe you got this morning when you walked in the door, <laughs> but during normal business hours, people hopefully walk in the door and they see us with a smile on our face and that we're eager to talk to them, that we're eager to answer questions, to educate, to hang out with them, talk life with them. You know, They don't have to come in here and talk beer. They wanna talk coffee, let's talk coffee, or let's talk, uh, you know, how we want to put on a dog show here at the brewery and have a, a little, not a catwalk, but a dog walk and dress your animals up and bring them in. And That's awesome. let's, let's do fun things that are community engaging and mm -hmm. bring people together and allow people to be creative, expressive, and most importantly, to have fun. Yeah. Speaking of dogs, we're going to be on uh, an upcoming episode of Dog Talk. Which is played. It's aired here in uh, Oklahoma City on Channel 25. Dog talk. I don't know if it's uh, in Tulsa, but I would assume it's not. Probably not. But I bet you can see it online because I have the video and I'll post it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They came and did a recording here. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I recently watched a segment of I shouldn't say segment, but one of the skits, the dog show skits featuring Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this? No, no. It was an old SNL. I shouldn't say old, but it basically is older. Yeah. Older SNL skit, and they would have these small like toy dogs that they would have like in a basket, or Will Ferrell would hold one in his lap, and it was silly things about dogs. In my mind, this skit was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The memory was much better than the reality. Went back and watched it, and it's like, why the hell did we find this funny? But the memory still lives on of Will Ferrell having the snare drum. It only had one stick, too. 
because he had to hold the dog with one arm, and then the other arm was playing the snare drum. That's funny. I'll have to go check that out when. Yeah. After this. Put a something. link in the notes. Yeah. Maybe I'll just post a bunch of links like on your guys' podcast episode. Just with that. Yeah. Do we have any other fun events that we've planned out? I mean, yeah, of course we have like Oktoberfest events. That's fun. But the cornhole dog show. Tournament, oh, we did a cornhole tournament. Cornhole tournaments are fun. For a local uh, nonprofit. And it's cool. It was the hottest day in the last four years. And people <laughs> still showed up to play outside. Yeah. Yeah, again, that, that just really ties back into community and supporting not just us as a brewery, but supporting all of the organizations and the work that they're doing. That's awesome. And we're also planning or thinking about uh, doing a Halloween party, so Whoa. keep keeping an eye out for that. Maybe come down from Tulsa or wherever you're listening. Oh, and VHS Kansas, night. Tulsa. Don't Tulsa. Texas. 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 Yeah. <laughs> VHS night, so we're passionate about VHS movies. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so that may be coming up soon. Uh, and, yes. and also a Jonathan is a world-renowned domino or bones player. I'm not. <laughs> Great. Uh, he may just be the luckiest bastard that's ever lived. That is true. And we may have an opportunity for our community to come in and challenge Jonathan play, at some dominoes. Play some dominoes. Because he will probably beat you. Hmm. I've never played dominoes. It's a lot of fun things you can do. A lot of fun yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. What, what I love hearing you say is that I love it like when a brewery or any like kind of small business is interacting with their community or trying to create these moments with their, um, with their community and create just a kind of chill atmosphere just that's welcoming and stuff. So I think that's very cool that you guys are doing that. And that's why like, I try to figure out finding spots like this mm -hmm. to, to, for people to come to. You know? so. yeah. We are really, I would say, we take great inspiration when it comes to building community from Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran. And they've really created this community of like, young professionals and they have each other's back. It's exactly the same thing here. I'm surprised you didn't say Justin Bieber. I, I, I'm a huge Justin Bieber fan. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I, I didn't know. Is he part of the Taylor Swift posse? No, he's, okay. he's a little bigger than Taylor Swift, but but he has his own posse. Yeah, the positive posse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you you earlier you you talked about like craft beer, seeing craft beer change and stuff. Um, why do you think craft beer has been such a big um, thing lately in our culture? Generational shift. Okay. Uh, again, some numbers from yesterday at the... Uh, Oklahoma Craft Beer Summit. Yes. Uh, presented by the... Or the, the information presented by the Brewers Association, which you can look up. Not on Wikipedia. Um, Pre-prohibition, the number of breweries, independent small breweries in the United States was large prohibition just canceled most of that out and I'm gonna be wrong on this number but we're just now 
or recently we've exceeded the number that was before? I think in the past 18 months we've yeah. now surpassed more, that. More breweries than there were at one time before Prohibition. We're just now getting back to the point of where we were. I don't know what the licensing was like back then, but huh. <laughs> it might have been a little different. <laughs> one thing to keep in mind with pre-Prohibition and why you had so many breweries, you didn't have the ability to package, refrigerate, transport really very far outside of your community. So pre-prohibition, you're talking community-based breweries. And while we have technology, transportation, refrigeration, packaging uh, methods and practices that will allow beer to stay fresh and survive long transports and sit on a shelf for an extended period of time, Generations are coming up that care more about having a having a relationship with the people that are makers. And they don't, yes, we all will probably go buy toilet paper and not necessarily care who made our toilet paper. Yeah. But with, with certain products, consumers are very much engaged and want a relationship with that maker. So they want to know their coffee roaster. They may want to know the people who are providing them with garments and who are providing them with, uh, I would even say like things like pillowcases, like that may be a thing, uh, or their hats, uh, or beer. Having that sense, once again, having a sense of community and, and having that relationship is, is what I, the generation seems to care about. Uh, more to it than that, Jonathan? I'm sure there is more there to is, it. I'm sure. There is more. Uh, smaller breweries offer well, they, flexibility and intimacy that you pointed on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we only opened our tap room in February, two five months ago, five months prior to this recording. Uh, but that was two years after we opened as a brewery, because here in the state. It was illegal, or it was not legal, to have a tap room at a brewery where you could sell your own product on site until mm -hmm. August of 2016. Um, I didn't know. So we spent two years being production only. Make the beer here, send it out to the wholesale uh, market, and then once it's there, we, it, we have no more control. It's out of our hands. Um, now that we can have a tap room, People from the community do get to come in to the brew, the brewery, and our tap room, and they can talk to us. They can they can try the beer that's been packaged earlier that same day. Um, they can see exactly where it's made and have that same feeling of the community and the localness of I know who made this beer. They're right here. I can see them. I can see where they made it, and and I can come here when I want to and enjoy it. Yeah. And it, we're not a giant bar we're not a chain restaurant it's just us small small group of people and small facility and and that's it and the people that work here are from the community and are passionate about the community and that vibe is very uh, very clear and and our mission is very transparent which I guess transparency is another big word to use the more transparent businesses are, 
I think the easier they can relate and are accepted by people who are either 21 years of age into the younger generations, probably a little bit past our generation, so probably into their late 40s or 50s. Do you agree on that? You're just saying they trust us more? I, I would say that they, they expect an element of transparency that, that maybe other generations weren't accustomed to or just don't have that expectation, ah. that, that these generations do expect that. That, you know, if I'm like, well, we're not in this to make money, we're in this to be, you know, art, uh, you know, again, certainly making money is important, but yeah. like, where do you find that balance? And Jonathan, you know, is, is dry, drives up here and we talk about how we want to stay small and local and independent. And it's nice to have, it's great to have nice things, but if you saw Jonathan rolling up in a $200,000 Tesla, that'd be cool. I mean, that would be really, <laughs> really, really rad, but would you be like, does your mission like equal like how you're representing and living your life? Is, is that transparent or, oh, you're just, you just want my money so you can go buy Jonathan a Tesla? <laughs> Listen, if anyone wants to gift us a Tesla, gift us a Tesla we're yeah. not going to say no, and we'll be transparent that someone hey, gave it to us. Yeah, we had a, a, a nice <laughs> investor who gave it to us. Hashtag go fund, go fund me. Hashtag go fund Jonathan. I, Tesla. I, 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 I'm sure there are plenty of better things to do than to fund that. I'll take that account. SUV. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to have joint custody? Can I drive it some? Can be the. Ta hey, uh. So Jonathan and I, okay, we, we, we need a company vehicle. Let's go back on this. So 2007, four of us in the suburban. Not this suburban. In a 1995 suburban. There's a 2005 sitting outside in the parking lot. Drove, that's weird. Drove <laughs> from Norman, Car as I mentioned. Carpooled. Carpooled. <laughs> Did the breweries. In 2011, Jonathan and I made another trip, and we flew to Detroit, met this gentleman in the cell phone waiting area. area of the Detroit International Airport, and we purchased a VW van from this guy in the parking lot. We then drove that van back to Norman. Great trip. My point is, we were to have joint custody of that van, and I have never been awarded joint custody, so with the Tesla, we're gonna need it in writing that there's actual joint custody so that Jonathan doesn't hog it. Because Jonathan, even though I'm 50% owner financially in that van, I do not get any benefits of that van. And I don't get to drive it, and if I do drive it, Jonathan yells at me. It's like running over curbs and things. Okay, the first day, the wheelbase, let's talk about this, the wheelbase on this VW, it's, it's not like, the wheelbase, it's that you sit in front of the wheels, and so if you turn your car, the, turn the steering wheel like you would with a normal car, the wheels are out in front of you, but they're behind you, so you see the curb and you turn, you just drive right over it. I hit a couple of curbs <laughs> driving it back from Detroit. A couple, yes. Did I make a mistake? Sure. <laughs> and now I'm no longer allowed to drive the van, ever? I think the punishment is a, is a touch harsh. <laughs> I, I am asking uh, for a uh, uh, a sentence reduction and or a okay. pardon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That sounds like my relationship with my roommate. He he owns a coffee shop or not coffee shop, a coffee thing, and and we drive all the time. But 
he uh, whenever we drive, he has to drive, and I can't drive ever. So when you say coffee thing, what is a coffee thing? Uh, he is well, a cold brew company. Oh, so, oh cool. Yeah. Okay, can uh, we get a plug in here for the cold brew company? What is this? Oh, uh, it's Danger Cats Coffee. Danger Cats? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So he per he makes the cold brew? Yeah, he makes the cold brew, and, and he just he brews it himself okay. and That's makes cool. it. So, But it's on hold for now. Oh. Uh, uh, when, when it'll happen again. Check back so. in the future. Yeah, because he's, he's going to move. So. Um. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> so... Um, what was your guys in creating 405 for you was, was a big struggle for you guys? Or what, what is a, the biggest struggle or a continuous struggle you guys have being brewery? Or, you know, I'll say it's okay. I mean, if you go deep. It's been, it was challenging in the very beginning to understand the the alcohol system and how to navigate that alcohol system in the state of Oklahoma. Hmm. There were, at the time we started, there were 11 wholesalers in the state of Oklahoma. We legally had to sell beer to any of those 11 that submitted a purchase order. We had no control over where that beer was going to land once we sold it to a wholesaler. So that keg of beer we sold could end up at any number of bars or yeah. that case of beer could end up in any, any number of stores and we didn't have final control. So that learning curve and that element, I would, I'd say it was the biggest struggle in the very beginning of how does this system work? Now that we are at now that we are facing these changing times, rolling into 2018 with the Oklahoma alcohol laws changing, I'd say that's, that's another big learning curve. How are things currently changing? How are they going to change come 2018, October 1, 2018? How does that affect our business? And what has yet to be defined by the, by the legislators? You know, what are they gonna come down and say? So right now, if you are under 21, years of age, you cannot come to the brewery. Yeah. Uh, you can be in our parking lot, but you cannot come to our consumption area, which means inside or out front in our front patio or our back patio. So if a family wanted to stop by and the dad wants, you know, the dad or mom wants to get a growler, a beer to take home, the kids have to, the kids have to wait in the car and they can walk in and then they can get the growler and go back out there. So things like that, which don't align with other states and more progressive alcohol laws, just understanding all of the, the fine details, and, and that's an ever-changing game. Yeah. I mean, starting a brewery in Oklahoma pre-now, pre-424 day, which is when uh, – breweries were allowed to have tap rooms you had to make sure that what we were making was going to actually that that the model we're working on to do brewing and packaging sending out through the wholesale system 
was going to make a revenue for the brewery. Um, at currently, uh, you know, the paychecks, if anything, are really small here, and most of the money just goes into the brewery while it's growing, and that's something that's difficult to look at uh, in a business model and say it sounds good mm-hmm. you know I'll keep working my other job so that so that something can happen mm-hmm. and uh, yeah reaching a point where that changes as a brewery that opened up before taproom taproom definitely 424 day an amazing thing that changed Oklahoma brewery landscape allowing breweries to sell beer on site um, which doesn't you know, cut out distribution at all, but allows the brewery to have uh, an income that is produced, you know, at the brewery without having the beer leave the brewery, and at the same time giving the consumer the mm. ability to come in and meet us and see the place. But it it does make a huge difference in uh, revenue stream for a business like a brewery, and then. Come 2018, I don't know. Like Trey said, it's there's a lot more stuff to be worked out, and we still don't all really know how that's going to go. It's going to change things up again, for sure. Um, but if you're starting a brewery now, you can do a tap room. It's pretty cool. Go, go for it. <laughs> but you, you touched on two really key points, and one is the cost involved in starting a brewery, and we were we're happy to answer questions for some other local brewers who are getting into the business. They reach out to us. We're happy to provide guidance. The, the scene in Oklahoma and for the most part across the country is an inviting environment hmm. where yes, we are competing against each other to a degree, but ultimately we're competing for the same thing, right? We are competing not only for shelf space, not necessarily to push each other out for shelf space, but to, to push out the bigger companies and really make more independent craft beer the priority on the shelves. Mm. And as the laws have changed, there are going to be more breweries that open in this area. And that's, that's a good thing. People say, well, don't, you don't want another brewery opening near you. It's like, well, maybe we do. If there's more breweries opening near us, you create more of that climate for tourism. And tourism dollars for beer are a real thing. Yeah. Uh, in Bend, Oregon, they have the Bend Ale Trail, and every brewery is included on that ale trail. And there's something like 32 breweries in Bend, Oregon, which is a town of 80,000 people. And we're in a town of 120,000 people, and we're the only brewery. So the culture has to shift with that as well, and I think we will begin to see that culture change happen where breweries come in and it's going to elevate everyone's quality hopefully and it's also going to educate more consumers and so then that's the transition into revenue direct revenue is a beautiful thing of a tap room but the educational piece is even more important Mm -hmm. rather than just seeing our bottle or our draft out there at a retail establishment they can walk in here they can see the facility they can associate a name with the brewery or a process and they get to hear the history and now that person is taking that education and taking that information 
and is now making a more informed decision when they go out to retail space and having a memory. And we're all about creating memory here. Yeah. They associate beer with memory. So when they go to the liquor store and they see 405, like, oh, yeah, I love those guys. I remember having this beer when I was at the brewery, and so I want to buy it again. Rather than just, I have no idea who this brewery is. I guess I'll give this a shot. It's yeah. not as much excitement, and, and you don't build the same customer loyalty without the educational piece that you get from them walking in the door. Yeah. Even now in the last few years that Oklahoma's uh, number of breweries has increased, uh, just in the last couple weeks we've had a couple um, retail or bar restaurant establishments contact us and say we're redoing our, our tap list and we want to have Oklahoma stuff. We want to have almost all Oklahoma staff on draft. And that's something that wouldn't have happened if we only had a couple choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if they're going to turn you know, 10, 10 drafts into Oklahoma, then it's because we have, as a state, more than 10 things that are worth putting on. And that's pretty cool. That is Even great. just last week, I think we got an email that said that's what I wanted we to do. We had two emails last yeah. week, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I like, I like that um, people are going more towards locale of things. So, which is really cool and really exciting. So, and I think it makes it it makes it really exciting for someone traveling in, whether Norman or Oklahoma City or Tulsa. And they may go to, whether it's a chain restaurant or a locally owned restaurant, and they get to have local beer, because the beer that you get in Oklahoma is not going to be the same beer, has similar characteristics, but it's not going to be the same beer that you're going to get when you go to San Diego. Yeah. Or uh, you know, when you travel even to Missouri, it, the beer is going to be different. It's going to have its own vibe and its own feel to it. And that's important to have that local feel. You want to feel like a local when you're traveling. You don't want to feel like you're a tourist. Yeah. And you don't always want to stop at, oh, hey, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a new state and there's a McDonald's and that's, you know, that's easy. I, I know McDonald's every time. <laughs> How is this McDonald's they're, compared to the other McDonald's? Right. It's like, oh, they're, they're all the same. Yeah. Uh, the Whopper tastes the same, the Big Mac tastes the same, the fries taste the same. You really want a perspective of of the areas in which you're traveling, and that's how you get it is by having more local product. Yeah, it's really cool. So, speaking of beer, describe some of your beers and some beers that you guys have on tap and your seasonals, like your regulars, your seasonals, and then kind of describe kind of your favorite brew method and why style uh trey touched on this a little bit earlier that's touch a lot of things. he touched he touched me while he was saying it <laughs> but he said that this is uh, not like the dj that touched taylor swift did you hear about that that no. lawsuit oh, okay so this I guy like taylor swift listen this is national news she is suing this guy <laughs> they are going in front of a jury because he apparently grabbed her rear there was a tornado in tulsa last night it was more important <laughs> More important, I, I think you're downplaying assault. It's not downplaying assault. It's serious. Alleged. Yes. He allegedly did this. Not proven yet. Not okay. proven. But as a smaller brewery, uh, we have the flexibility to, to change what we make uh, as often as we want. Or not to change it, but to make something new or different. Um, Trey will come up with ideas and say, what do you think about this? And he'll place an order for grain, and less than two weeks later, 
something new will be around. Um, we don't have the, uh, the we don't have someone above us saying this is what we expect and this is all you can do and here's your little window of creativity. It's the two of us with the ability to say this is what we're going to do and it doesn't matter. We can do what we want. Giving a lot of flexibility to Trey's artistic <laughs> brewing. It's also just known as just being weird. And that's what makes it unique, is that we can be weird together. Nice. Uh, keep Norman weird. Hashtag keep oh, Norman geez. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Sorry, Austin. I'm sorry, Portland. You, yeah, I was saying, and Portland. Yeah. <laughs> There's several cities that have that. Yeah. So our beers are liquid art. Truly, it is an expression. It is an art. People will say it's science, and it is science, but a lot of what we do is also art. And how we approach our beer is so different than almost any brewery out there. And we talked a little bit about the French press method for the coffee stout. I'm going to dive probably too deep into this. Uh, when we ferment beer, and home brewers even will get very caught up and very serious about temperature control of their beer, and their beer has to ferment at 65 or 60 degrees, uh, or has to hit these styles or these guidelines. We don't approach beer as a style or a guideline. We approach it as an expression. We are not beer makers, we are wort makers. We are making sugar water from grain. We are adding adjuncts, oak barrels, coffee, vanilla, cinnamon, fruits, raspberries, blackberries, pineapples, grapefruits, limes, probiotic cultures. And we allow the yeast in those cultures to really express themselves in the beer. Now we want to give them an environment that is best suited for them, which means in the middle of the summer when it's 110 degrees in our warehouse, we aren't using a strain of yeast that works best at 65 degrees. We are giving, we are putting beers out or wort out that is going to work best with a yeast strain that's going to survive and enjoy being at that temperature, which is why the beers that we make throughout the year change. Wintertime, we make imperial stouts, and we make more stouts because the yeast likes the cooler temperature of the winter. And so we allow that yeast in those cultures to then express themselves uh, through the fermentation process and, awesome. and gives you a unique beer. We are not built on consistency of the final product. We never guaranteed that the, the day you pick up our beer, day one, you're trying this beer, that beer is going to taste like another version of our beer two months down the line. The quality should always be there, and the product should always be a quality product, but we do not expect that beer to taste the same every time we make it because temperature changes, pressure changes, humidity changes. All of those are major factors in the final outcome of that, of that beer. And so, just like art, you're not going to paint something exactly the same way two times, three times in a row. We call it it print. might be <laughs> you're right. It might be it might be similar 
in, in, in how it looks and how it tastes, but it will never be 100% identical every time. Mm. Yeah, we're not in the cloning game. We're not like making Dolly the sheep out here. You probably don't know who that is, but uh, we are. It's the first. It's the first cloned sheep. animal. Really? Yeah. Her name was Dolly. It's a few years ago. Uh, a few years ago. It was like 25 years ago. That was a while ago. <laughs> Dude. That was a long uh, time I was like ago. Nine years old by then. Yes. Uh, Jonathan, I think, was already graduated from college. I'm kidding. I'm not, I am just kidding. Jonathan was. It would have been cool. I would have been. That would not be cool as of today. Maybe. 12 or something. <laughs> like, uh, what's his face? Doogie Hauser. Yes, Neil Patrick Harris. Come visit us sometime. It'd be cool. <laughs> uh, we, we'd like for Neil Patrick to come visit us. We'd also like the meteorologist from Channel 5 in Oklahoma City to come Damon. visit us. Damon Lane. That dude's a total turd. He lives... <laughs> he's a stinky turd, and he lives like three miles away <laughs> and more. And he always complains about, oh, we're not getting rain and more, or this and that. And he loves to go to every other brewery, and he follows every other brewery on Twitter. But the dude will not show up here. And so Damon... I'm calling you out right now, bro. Show up. <laughs> yeah. uh, or if, uh, if there's anyone else listening who's famous. Um, Taylor like, Swift. Yeah, Taylor, you're welcome. Uh, Demi Lovato, I, she doesn't drink because she has a drinking problem or an addiction problem. Uh, definitely others. Katy Perry, definitely welcome. Sean <laughs> Mendez, not welcome. Not welcome at all. <laughs> For some reason, Sean Mendez, when you go to the Instagram, the Discover button down there, the little magnifying glass, I get a lot, like lots of random things in my Discovery feed, and for some reason, I like the Sean Mendez fan account shows up in my Discovery feed. I have never liked a single Sean Mendez photo That's ever, so and I do not like getting that into my Discovery feed. So if my phone is listening, do not put Sean Mendez in my Discovery feed anymore. Because Thanks. Siri Thanks, is Siri. Siri is very cunning, and she is a a bee. Let's be honest, okay? She is a bee, <laughs> and she listens to your conversations, and then she's like, "Oh, I'll build this ad profile based upon your conversations." Like today, I'm sure I'm going to get a, a, a ad for an XLR cable because yeah. we had to change out an XLR cable today. Yeah. And, you know, she and I would have some very tense words if, if we were to meet face-to-face. Mm. She'd funny. probably stab me. She, she seems like that type. <laughs> For you guys, what do you think is the, mis- the misconception about owning a brewery or being a part of a brewery? And then um, what, what advice would you give to, to someone that wants to open up a brewery or a small business? Well, I'm going to take those in reverse order. And that is advice first. Okay. Which could actually will lead into the next part of it takes a lot of money to start a brewery. And our advice is have lots of capital, do lots of research, and be authentic. And if you're in an area that's not Oklahoma, or if it is Oklahoma, wherever you are, ask the brewery people around you. Uh, I really doubt that any of them are going to say, I'm not going to share information with you maybe not you know my exact numbers but they're going to be really pro uh, proactive but they're going to give you answers if you ask questions about what do we need to do in the beginning who do we need to talk to 
what are some options for brew starting a brewery, they're going to tell you, and that's a, a really great resource for for that if that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And get to know your local brewers. If they seem like tools, well, they pro- they probably are. And home brewers too. And if, if your if your home brewing friends seem like tools, they probably are as well. <laughs> so don't hang out. It's like, would you go to a douchey coffee shop uh, that like where all of the you know oh all of the people that are not your segment like would hang out and just be total turds? Sorry, I'm using the word turds a lot because I don't want to cuss. But you could totally cuss. Okay. But, you know, if, if, if there's a bunch of douchebags hanging out at your local coffee shop, you're probably not going to go there. And, yeah. like, the vibe's wrong. So find a place that has the right vibe before you ask the questions. Because the last thing you want to do is mimic a business that doesn't carry the same core values as what you're trying to accomplish. Also, uh, I would say it's important to be good-looking to get, in, get into beer. Uh, <laughs> we're very handsome people. <laughs> And if you're not, like, really in shape and really good-looking and can grow a really killer beard, yeah, I'd say... Like, just imagine, you're listening to this podcast now. Uh, we've got basically Ryan Gosling and or uh, Bradley Cooper on the other end of this microphone. So. Right here, yeah. I, I also get Chris Pratt a lot as well, and I understand that. <laughs> the When I take off my shirt, it is a chiseled manifesto right there for everyone to see. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to see real pictures, just go to our Instagram accounts or any of our social media at 405brewing and you'll be able to see how handsome we are. Uh, It's... We have lots of followers and a lot of stalkers. If you're Sean Mendez, do not follow us. I do not want to hear from you. <laughs> what was your guys' first craft beer? You guys remember? Or I do, I do. Twenty-one years old. I got got into the late got into the game late. Oh, I got in late. I was I was a late bloomer on a lot of things in life, and yeah, as I get older, I discover the greater things in life. Twenty-one, Line and Kugel Red. Liquor store in Greenville, Illinois. Hmm. I don't know. I drank a lot of... What's that stuff from Texas? Shiner. <laughs> Shinerbach. Shinerbach. It's, uh, it's still in the craft category, I think. So. Oh, it's still yeah. in the independent category, absolutely. Yeah. Jonathan would go play bingo on Tuesday nights. 99 cent. Pitchers. Not pitchers. They weren't pitchers? They were pints. <laughs> <laughs> they also sold pitchers, too. I don't know how yeah. much pitchers cost. That was amazing. The Vista. That's anybody. gone. Yeah, it's and, gone. And you're probably not in Norman, so you don't really give a shit about the Vista. So let's talk about, put this on a, on a broader scale. You go to your favorite bar that is, is not a dive bar and is offering bingo. Shiner pitchers are great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. that, was, that was 12 years ago. Yeah. When you were 21. I mean, you were just 19 at that time. Your math's wrong. I understand. I, 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 I'm trying not to age you as much as you want to be aged. All I'm right. trying to allow our listeners. Last year when I turned 21. Right. I was drinking Shiner. So, last year. You talked about a misconception for craft, for, like, for the brewing industry, and that is that, like any job, there are tough days in which you deal with a lot of shit. And you never escape that from any job. Yeah. Every day is is not 
roses. It's fun usually in some capacity every day, but there's still a bunch of crap you gotta deal with. And whether that's government stuff, or whether that is just cleaning every single cleaning day, cleaning all the time. And I'm I'm in charge of restroom cleaning. I am the head of custodial services for the brewery. So that's why your toilets are always nice and clean when you come to the brewery. You're welcome. <laughs> I, oh, speaking of that, I find that I always analyze the cleanliness of a restroom, no matter where I go. If I were drunk, could I kneel on the floor and or lay down on the floor and then need to put my hand and or full torso on the toilet to brace myself in order to throw up? If it is that clean, then I like to use that restroom. And that's, I try and keep our, our restrooms to that level to where if you were hopefully not drunk on our beer, but maybe you're, have, you're ill, that you could, you would feel comfortable. Touching you would, the surface. Yeah, that yeah. you're not going to feel like, oh, this is really disgusting. And you yeah. can imagine all the nasty things on a toilet seat. Oh, yeah, but I've seen some nasty bars. I, it's, uh, it's important you keep a higher level. Now, some things you just you can't fix. Uh, Linoleum's peeling in the bathroom. I can't fix that. I'm, I'm no magician or carpenter or don't know how to do home improvement basic <laughs> skills. I know how to clean a toilet. Other misconception about a brewery is that it is immediately financially rewarding. And we were talking about this in regards to paychecks. It's tough. Day in and day out. It is a focus to ensure that your product is a quality product and that you're getting people in the door so that you can make money mm. to continue going on another week, another month, and another year. Yeah. Oftentimes we look at the big players in craft beer and it's easy to assume that every brewery is making money, 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 money. Not every brewery is making the money of the New Belgium or the Oscar Blues or the Dogfish Head or the Stones. That it's just like any other small business. It is a daily grind. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of like, on with, talking with other breweries and stuff like that. That one of the biggest misconceptions is the business side of it, and like working through the business and being a small business. There's like a lot of tough stuff you got to do around the brewery and not just drink beer. Sure. You know. I, yeah. People yeah. think, oh, you yeah. can't. You know, that, that must be all you guys do. Is you guys just a uh, sample product all day and just drink from the tanks and it's like no like Jonathan literally has two mops and a mop A and a mop B they're named and the dude is a, a great mopper and uh, again I'm sure there's when a, you there's arrived a, this morning I was he mopping, was mopping. And I, was, I was busy I'm sorry he, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> that it's it's really a lot of hard work and it's a lot of days in a 110 degree warehouse oh geez brewing beer cleaning tanks and that's not really a lot of fun. And you also don't really want to be impaired while you're doing those things, while you're working with boiling water, you're working with dangerous chemicals. Mop water's bad, too. Mm. Mop water's a touch less dangerous. You can probably have a it beer while you're mopping. <laughs> it, it does smell bad. But, you know, you don't want to be working with caustic chemicals and acids. And, you know, you've been drinking all day. And, and do that. You really need to have a clear mind. Yeah. Safety goggles, too. Yeah. But... There, there are also a lot of fun things to do as well. Yeah. And getting people involved in the brewery is a lot of fun. Yeah. Sharing the passion is a lot of fun. Yeah. Tap room events, if that's all cool. That's all, that's all. That's, yeah, that's the gravy, though. Uh, 
No one sees you make the biscuit. You just eat the biscuit, mashed right? Mashed potatoes. Mm. Mashed potatoes aren't that difficult, dude. Boil some water, put some potatoes in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, biscuits. Biscuits. Water, flour. Yeah, but, but then you've got... No, yeah, you've got to let them rise. Are you not using, like, a yeast-based biscuit? Are you making just... Just biscuit, yeah. Oh, dude. Bisquick? <laughs> They're like... Your biscuits must taste like rocks. <laughs> I like them to be fluffy and you, layered. You, yeah, yeah, you fold them to different layers. Whatever. Man. Yeah. Okay. Well, how, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how can people, like, find you? Um, check out your brewery. Check out what you guys are doing. Um, see where you guys are at. Yeah, definitely all social platforms. Uh, Trey's been a little rusty on uh, Snapchat recently. Yeah, you know, honestly, with, with Insta Story, I thought I was going to hate Insta Story. I dig it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and we kind of kind of left Snapchat. But if you want to follow us on Snapchat, it's Brewing405. All of the other platforms are 405 Brewing. Uh, Facebook, which I think some people still use Facebook, but a couple people do. I, I don't know who those people are, but yeah, they aren't in my, in my circle of friends. Uh, definitely Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Website. Oh, website yep. 405brewing.com. Yep. I feel like there's there's got to be another avenue. Uh. Go- Google Maps. Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, untapped. Yelp. Yelp. We are on Yelp. Oh, Untapped. That's a good one. That's I know. I'm trying to keep it beer related. Yeah, those are good ways. Yeah. Yeah. You can go by Trey's house at 315 Keith. Yeah. Come by my house. I'll probably be outside smoking a cigar and drinking a cocktail. <laughs> and if you approach my house, I will I have a I have a bobcat as a pet and I will let him out the door to chase Sick. you down. He oh he's he's very sweet. He actually won't attack you, he'll just attack other animals. But so he'll <laughs> love to see you. Uh, please bring treats. He likes bacon and Cheetos the most. <laughs> and his name is Nemo. And he's really awesome. He's not named after a fish. Let's clarify. Just the piece of literature, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, definitely predated a Disney movie. So Captain Nemo was from the book written by Jules Verne. Hmm. That's where we get Nemo. That's also where Disney got Nemo as well. Ah. There's another movie called Finding Nemo, I think. Or Nemo. That's Finding Dory. No, not Dory. It's like a cartoon movie. That's what I'm talking about. No, it's it's not Finding Dory. It's a different like it's Finding like, Nemo the Fish? No, it's like a guy flying on a bed. A little a little dude flying on a bed. Interesting. Oh no, it's called Little Nemo. That's right. Ah. Okay. Not Fine. Finding Nemo. Close. Finding Little Nemo. Yeah. I I'm thinking back to Home Alone. What is... Oh, that's Little Nero. When, when Kevin's... The pizza. Yeah. Pizza. <laughs> when, when Kevin's Home Alone, he orders the cheese pizza. The, pizza the guy always drives up and hits the little statue in the front and knocks him over. And he's with Little Nero's pizza. And that's it. Nice. If we could hear your best celebrity impression right now. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Not necessarily from that movie. That's yeah. a good one, though. <laughs> best celebrity impression. Celebrity? All right, I mean, we're just the best impression. I think I gave you Trump or Golem pretty good. Ooh. Let's hear him. The Trump? Any, any of them, you pick. Uh, okay. This can be a warm-up, too. If you, if you want to go with maybe what's not as good, 
warm up the vocal cords. We can go into what's better. Or you can better. cut it out later. Yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's here's my uh, my goal. Schmigo, why did you cry, Schmigo? Stupid fat hobbits. That's what I mean. That sounds good. I was watching yeah. it the other day. That's pretty yeah. good. I applaud. Yeah, and then Trump is like, okay, I got big things. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> I do enjoy the bing bing bing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've ever heard that one. But yeah, uh, thanks for. Uh, do you guys want to try and press Sure. Oh, I'm terrible, so I'm not going. Give to us one. I did. I did the 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 Scarface. No, 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 that was from Home Alone. Oh, it's yeah. the guy that they made up that movie. Just anyway, doesn't matter. From one of the most classic movies of all time, I will introduce. This is a, a George Lucas character. Lisa Jaja Bits. Lisa oh Dyson. my gosh. <laughs> Lisa, are Lisa. You see people gonna die? Lisa, people gonna die? <laughs> Rest in peace, Jar Jar. That's episode one, by the way. Yeah. I think he makes a cameo in episode two of Star Wars as well. That's, that's like, oh, he's Star in the Wars, Senate. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do a Senator Palpatine? No. No? That'd be cool. I have to hear things right before I try to do it. Yeah. I feel like. Uh, yeah, I need my notebook of voices to really dig into. Andy. We, we have a friend. His, his name's Andy. Help us out. He can do some great stuff. I mean, voices are always on par. Uh, he does... What's the voice he does? Shit. And anything and everything. I will recreate Andy, the one that I give him the hardest time for. Hey, mister. What you want here? Got a newspaper for sale, hey? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. He's like a three stooge. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> extra, funny. extra, read all about it. 405 Brewery in Norman. Yeah. No, he's a paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a newsie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's like a gangster newsie. I don't know how to do that. How to describe that. That's good, yeah. The, the yeah. other one that I'm really working on, the impression's terrible, and really it's more of a visual thing, and it's a one-liner, and we're about to be out of time. Gotta wrap this shit down. Close up the box. Is it a movie? Is no, it a movie? it's a it's a Zizan sorry. Oh. It's it's how he does that voice. Do like, you know? What, what's the Zizan line that he does? But he goes into a high pitched voice. Hey, what's up little there? You know, I, again, it's, it's a work in progress where he just goes loud. Master of None, Netflix. No. Never seen it. Okay. Sorry. Do you know who Zizan sorry is? Uh, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Indian guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know he's from South Carolina. He's actually a South Carolina guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just being racist. No, it, it, that's fine. He, he touched on that a lot. Yeah. So okay, uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, I won't do my disease because it's pretty fucking terrible. I, okay. I gave it one shot. I, I sucked. Move on. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for being on the Loki podcast. I had fun and. Uh, I hope people come and check your place out and drink your beer. Good. We're glad, you, glad you made the drive all the way down here. Yes, thank you. Norman. Thank you for driving down here. Jonathan, do you have anything to add? I just said thank you. Oh. Yeah. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has been really badass. And this podcast yeah, brought you. to you by the number zero and the letter J. I don't know. Sesame Street. Oh. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Matt, for being here. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Thanks for being on, guys. I'll uh, talk to you guys later. Namaste. Bye. Bye. We'll <laughs>
want to thank the guys from 405 Brewing for being on the Low Key Podcast. And thank you guys for listening. Now, if you don't subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to us. Also, go check out our website and see the vlogs. And our t-shirts should be underway pretty soon. So, guys, hope you love the episode. And hope you check out Norman and 405 Brewing. And go get a tasty brew. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Thank you.